The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Hi, my name is Patty Sauls, and if you are a part of the Cool Springs or Music Row locations, today's sermon will be right here on this feed as we all welcome Micah Edmondson, who will be planting and pastoring our fourth worship location here in Nashville. Today's reading is from Mark. It's Mark 13, verses 3 through 13. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains." But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they first bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, it is the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Well, good morning, everybody. It's my privilege to get to introduce Uh, the one who will be bringing the sermon to us this morning. Uh, He also happens to be our newest pastor uh, at Christ Presbyterian Church. His name is Reverend Dr. Micah Edmondson. And on this Mother's Day, Micah is happily married to an excellent mother and an excellent wife. Her name is Dr. Christina Edmondson. We also look forward to introducing you to her and also to their daughters, Zoe and Shiloh, and also to Micah's mother, who goes by the name Lovey, who will be moving and relocating with them back to Nashville. And I say back to Nashville because Nashville is Micah's childhood home. It's where he grew up, and so this is a a return home for him. They have been serving most recently in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, where Micah has been the planting and then senior pastor of New City Fellowship uh, in the urban area of Grand Rapids. It's a cross-cultural church, and that is uh, what Micah has been called to Nashville uh, to plant, to start, and to lead, is a cross-cultural congregation of Christ Presbyterian Church in the city of Nashville. And what our hope is, is that not only will we have 
a cross-cultural congregation, but there, there will be a ripple effect back into all of the, the other Christ Presbyterian congregations and locations so we can continue to build on this spirit of, of becoming a more and more inclusive and more and more a diverse church, including and opening our arms and welcoming all the types of people that Jesus Christ uh, also welcomes, uh, multiple ethnicities, generations, economic situations, international origins, uh, educational backgrounds, political persuasions. Uh, the body of Christ is big and it is significant and we are better the more together we are. Even Jesus in his longest recorded prayer said that he prays that we will all be one, very diverse in our uniqueness and yet one under Christ, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Micah Edmondson is a key leader uh, in this spirit, uh, not only in the local church, but also speaking at conferences, and uh, he's uh, also got a PhD from Calvin Seminary. He is a published author of a book called The Power of Unearned Suffering. He's a true pastor. He has a deep love for Christ, a deep love for scripture, a deep love for the city, and a deep love for people. And uh, our staff got to experience uh, that deep love this morning as we got to meet with Micah for the very first time as a full uh, staff team uh, over Zoom. And uh, Micah, Micah shared some of his heart with us, and uh, we're just so grateful that you get to now hear from him, receive his ministry, and that he gets to be part of us. We get to be part of him and, and part of their family as well moving forward. And so it's my pleasure to welcome the Reverend Dr. Micah Edmondson to preach to us this morning. Well, Christ Presbyterian family, I want to ask you, are you ready for the gospel uh, I hope you are. Uh, what a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Ready for the gospel on today. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all those who will believe. And what a blessing it is when we have the unique opportunity to hear from the risen Savior as he comes to us in and through his word, through the proclamation of his word and presents the glory of his righteousness to us. And so I hope that you are ready for an encounter with the living Christ right there from your homes, right there at your living room. Our God is able to meet you. I'm thankful that even while we are sheltering in right now, the gospel is not bound. The risen Christ is not bound. Today's passage comes as Jesus's disciples are marveling at the grandeur of the temple in Jerusalem with this massive 500 ton white marble stones overlaid with pure gold and perched 700 feet above the Kidron Valley. The temple was one of the greatest architectural marvels of the ancient world. The historian Josephus uh, remarked that from a distance, the temple looked like a snow-capped mountain. It was so physically imposing that the people in that day figured that the temple would always be standing, that it was impossible for this structure to fall. And so you can understand why the apostles would kind of 
become tourists in that moment as they looked at this great sight and the scene. And, and, and you can imagine that they would have uh, sort of pulled out their ancient selfie sticks and uh, got ready to take some, some shots and, and post them to Instagram when suddenly Jesus interrupts their party. And he, with a few sentences, predicts that the entire structure, this entire massive structure was going to completely come down. Not a single stone left on another. The fall of the temple meant that a national trauma was coming. It meant financial markets would suddenly come crashing down. It, it meant social and political upheaval would occur. It, it meant that panic and uncertainty would be widespread. It meant emergency rooms would be filled. It meant first responders would not be able to keep up. And I believe in this moment, in our experience, we can relate to what the apostles would have been feeling. The Lord describes the situation that is coming upon the world as, quote, the beginning of birth pains. I think it's a particular apt metaphor on this Mother's Day. You know, the comedian Carol Burnett once was asked to describe what was giving birth like. Carol Burnett and her particular way said giving birth is like taking your lower lip and forcing it over your head and 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 we can relate to that we we can I believe we can resonate with that life has a has a has a tendency sometimes life has a way of just walking right up to you out of nowhere and 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 grabbing your lower lip and forcing it over your head Anybody that has dealt with trauma or depression or anxiety or who has lost a parent or a child or a spouse knows that sometimes life can force your lip over your head. Sometimes life can throw some gut punches that can bring you to your knees. But there's good news in this passage today. There's good news in this passage today because, because after revealing the labor pains of life, Jesus declares in verse 7, do not be alarmed. And in verse 11, do not worry. And, and I would suggest, I would submit today that those words are even more shocking than the hardships that he mentioned. The fact that after all of these hardships, seven successive hardships, Jesus can come back and say, but do not worry. That means that his grace is greater than any hardship that we could ever endure. It reassures us as that, as that, that though we pass through the floods of life, we have a savior who has grace enough to keep us amidst the flood of life. We have a savior who is able to lift our, our weak arms and strengthen our feeble knees in the midst of the labor pains of life. We walk through the waters, they will not overwhelm us. We walk through the floods, 
they will not overwhelm us. When we walk through the flames, it will not consume us because our Lord has got grace and mercy enough to sustain even suffering people. I want to talk this morning about what the Lord has to say in suffering. What the Lord has to say in suffering. And I, I have three, three mental hooks I'd like for us to hang our thoughts on on this morning that come out of our passage. First, I want to talk about God's purpose in difficulty. The second, I want to talk about God's power in difficulty. And the third point will be God's perseverance through difficulty. God's purpose in difficulty, power in difficulty, and perseverance through difficulty. Point number one, God's purpose in difficulty. Here's Jesus' rock-solid promise to you and to me amidst seasons of suffering. The Lord says to us that this difficulty cannot separate you from the loving purposes and promises of God. This difficulty cannot separate you from the loving purposes and promises of God. Verse 7 says this, And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Listen to this. These things are necessary. The Greek word dei translated in our passage necessary is an on-purpose word. It's the exact same word that the disciples had just heard Jesus use in Mark 8.31 when he said the Son of Man must suffer many things. In Mark, the word day specifically refers to the necessity of God's active will through suffering times to bring about God's saving purposes. And I think it's wonderful, actually, that the Lord uses the same word to describe our suffering that he used to describe his own. He joined these things together, you see. And the disciples needed to know this, that in tough times, that tough times are still divinely purposed times. And that the very same will which was at work in Christ's sufferings is the very same will that would be at work on their behalf and on our behalf in our suffering. In verse 8, the Lord gives us an important metaphor that we've already referred to today. He says, but these are the, but the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains are caused by extreme pressure that the body exerts precisely in order to bring new life into the world. Not to hold life back, but listen, beloved, to bring life forward. And Jesus is promising us by using this word, birth pains, that even the deep hardships of life, even the pandemics of life cannot separate us from the saving promises and purposes of our God. Even when we cannot see it, even when we cannot trace out the sovereign hand of our God, the Lord is still active in and through this sinful world, not holding life back, but pushing life forward. 
Jesus Christ endured the pains of death precisely so that we would endure the pains of life. Even in hard times, we are not under condemnation. We know that those of us who are in Christ Jesus are no longer under condemnation. Even in hard times, we are under the blessing of God. Even in hard times, the risen Christ is interceding on our behalf with his, his, his resurrected hands outstretched over our lives in high priestly blessing. And so there is no situation that we can find ourselves in in which we are not under the purposes and the blessing of our God. That's why. James can declare to the suffering saints in Jerusalem, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. And in his amazing, sovereign, redemptive way, our God is even able to make a global pandemic work on our behalf. He's at work perfecting us, making us complete so that we will lack nothing, nothing of what Christ has purchased for us. So the question, is God really listening in a global pandemic? Yes. The question, does God really care in a global pandemic? Yes. The question, is God really active for our good in a global pandemic? Yes, yes, yes. God is still at work on our behalf, bringing to us all of the benefits that Christ purchased for us upon that tree. And one of the greatest shows perhaps in PBS history it's called The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross. Amen. Over 11 seasons, Bob Ross, who, by the way, had one of the coolest afros on television, painted nearly 400 landscapes in his show. Bob specialized in mountainous landscapes, and, and he would always, almost always began with what looked to the untrained eye like a bunch of random blotches on his canvas and my brother and I my younger brother and I we would watch this show almost like a sporting event and 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 we would we we were wanted to be there for the day in which Bob had 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 made such an awful blotch on his canvas that he wasn't able to get himself out of this mess but Bob Ross would patiently work here and there until suddenly each of those seemingly random dark blotches began to take shape. And somewhere over the span of 30 minutes, somehow over the span of 30 minutes, Bob Ross would find a way to pull a masterpiece out of that mess every single time. And by calling our sufferings birth pain, Jesus is promising us, he's saying to us that for you who have untrained eyes, don't give up. 
Don't doubt the Lord because what looks to you like dark random blotches on the canvas of life are, are, are really part of God's masterpiece. And our God is the master author. The master artist is able to pull a masterpiece out of the mess of life every single time. The Lord, it must be said, never smiles on our pain and suffering. But the Lord is able to make the greatest trials of life, even this pandemic work under the mighty scepter of the risen Christ. He is even able to make the greatest trials of life work on our behalf, work together for our good. And so God can make a pandemic uh, even make you look more like Jesus. He can work through a pandemic to make us love more like Jesus. He can work through a pandemic to make us pray more like Jesus. He can work through a pandemic to make us have more patience and empathy and humility uh, like Jesus. He can work through a pandemic so that we might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and to move history closer to that day when the son of God himself returns in glory and we can join him. So sometimes the Lord will allow some hardships to come into your life so that you will know that God is able to make a way out of nowhere. The Lord will allow some trouble to come into your life so that you will know God as a bridge over troubled waters. Sometimes God will allow us to find ourselves in a weary land so that we will know that he is a rock in a weary land. And so God is able. He's able, I tell you, he is able. He's able to make all things work together for your good. Brings us to my next point. God's present power in difficulty. God's present power in difficulty. Listen to this precious promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to hear this. This hardship, you should know, cannot separate you from the presence and power of God. Cannot separate you from the presence and power of God. Look at what verse 11 says. It says, and when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Here Jesus is referring to the present power of God in the lives of his apostles. As their own synagogues, Ken's people, family members turned against them. The apostles would one day feel deeply alone. They would feel rejected. And as they went before governors and trained theologians before the Sanhedrin, these untrained fishermen would feel completely inept and inadequate to this task of bearing witness to Christ. But Jesus is promising them that in the very time in which they felt the most alone, they should know that they would not be alone. 
God would be present in power, giving them the grace to stand even amidst the most difficult hardships. And we should know that today. That word comes to us today. Although we are uh, not uh, 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 still, uh, right, although, although scripture is not still being written in that same sense, the Lord is just as present with us today as he was with his apostles. He promised that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And so when we find ourselves in an age of a pandemic, we know that Christ is still with us. And that ought to really comfort us. Because as Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You and I are not in this by ourselves. And the Lord doesn't leave us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps in hard times. The Lord promises that he will be with us in power. He will be not just present, but a very present help. And I'm so grateful that God is not just an inactive bystander to our sufferings, but God is active in this situation, upholding us in the midst of our sufferings. Nicknamed the Christmas rose, the hellebore plant blooms in a most unexpected time. It blooms in winter. During the darkest and most coldest months of the year when everything else is fading away and withering and dying and frozen, the hellebore plant can even survive and bloom and thrive, surviving long months of drought owing to a deep growing root system. While everything else around it is dying, the hellebore is blooming because it has access to a source of life and access to strength that runs deeper and lasts longer than anything else around. And that's what Jesus is saying to his apostles. He's saying amidst the winter of life, amidst the difficulties of life, you will find that you have access to a source of strength and life that lasts longer and runs deeper than anything else around. A source of strength and life that can sustain you and uphold you during the winter seasons of life. That's good news today. We find ourselves in a global pandemic during a winter season of life that the Lord is able to make us bloom even during this time. Confined to a single room with a debilitating arthritis most of her life, the, hymn, the hymnist Annie Johnson Flint knew something about suffering. She knew something about hardship. She knew something about the winter seasons of life. She also knew something about the grace of God. In pain, she picked up her pencil and she wrote these words. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added afflictions, he addeth his mercy. To multiply trials, his multiplied peace. That's our testimony today. That though we go through difficult times, although our trials may be multiplied, Christ has a way of multiplying peace. Here's my final point. 
God's perseverance in difficulty. God's perseverance in difficulty. Look at these words that end our passage. Jesus says this, and you will be hated for all, by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The word translated endures is, in the, is an aorist participle. That's just a, a fancy way of saying that this word endure is kind of acting more like a noun than a verb. And so the emphasis here is not on our ability to withstand all of these things and clamor our way to the end of trials in hopes that perhaps if we are able to pull ourselves up long enough, we will get the reward of salvation. No, 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 no. That's not really what's happening here. That's not what's happening here at all, in fact. The emphasis here is, on, is not on our faithfulness to God, but on God's faithfulness to us. It's on the object of God's faithfulness. It's, it's Jesus, when he, when he says the, the one who endures to the end will be saved, he is looking at his precious people and he's saying, my suffering, weary, beleaguered disciples, my, my precious ones, my, my precious children, you who have endured all of these afflictions and, and, uh, for my name's sake, you will be saved in the end. I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I will save you. You who are joined to me and the experiences of my sufferings, you who are joined to me in the fellowship of my sufferings, you will enjoy the fellowship of my reign. And this is what Jesus is promising to his suffering people. He's saying to us, you will make it. That's what we need to know. We need to know that when I'm suffering and I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know how I'm going to go forward and I don't know whether or not I'm going to make it, Jesus says, if you are joined to me by faith, you will make it because I will make sure that you make it. You will stand because I am able to make you stand. There's a story told by Mary Hollingsworth about the noted director Cecil B. DeMille. And when they were working on the movie Ben-Hur, DeMille talked to Charleston Heston, the, the star of the movie, about this all-important chariot race that was coming up at the end of the movie. And DeMille had decided that Charlton Heston should actually learn how to drive the chariot himself rather than just using a stunt double. And Hester agreed. And in order to prepare, he, he took chariot driving lessons to make the movie as authentic as possible. And at the end of this, Heston, uh, talking to DeMille, says, you know, Cecil, I think I can drive the chariot all right, but I'm not all that sure that I can actually win the race. Smiling, DeMille responded, Charlton, if you just stay in the race, I'll make sure you win. And those are the words that God says to every one of us, to every one of his suffering saints on today. You just keep believing. You just keep praying. You just keep hoping. You just keep loving. You just keep serving. 
I will make sure that you win in the end. You just stay in the race. Don't give up. God is able to make sure that you win in the end. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful. So grateful for your purposes, your power, your promise, your presence in the midst of our suffering. Lord, we are grateful, Lord, that Christ was risen on the third day 2,000 years ago to make sure that we will win in the end. And today he is our hope, Lord. He is our confidence, Lord. Lord, we see signs of his reign already as even in the midst of a global pandemic, the church is still marching forward. Even in the midst of difficult times, the gospel is still unbound and going forward. And these are just signs, O oh Lord, that, the, that, that we will win in the end. I pray that you would help each and every one of your precious children know that and be encouraged by that precious and wonderful reality on this day. In Jesus' name, amen.